I'll then get in there and I'll tag those same pickle, same people, and I'll be like, "Hey guys, same pickles." <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have pickles on the brain. Welcome back, podcast listeners, to Nail Social Office Hours number forty-three in quarantine. Still, I am Jess Bachman. <laughs> It, it, we are recording it on Zoom, but hopefully it doesn't sound that way because we're also recording into GarageBand. We are we are iterating, we are optimizing. That's what we're doing. I'm Jess Bachman, Digital Strategy Director here at Nail Communications and Lead Scientist Junior the Third at Nail Social. I am Rachel Jackson. I am the Social Analytics Manager at Nail Communications. Over at Nail Social, I am Lead Scientist, and we have a very special guest in the office with us today. He's in the office. We're not in the office. Um, Alec Beckett, our creative partner, is here chatting with us. Why do you come into the office every day? Every day. I keep in your plants alive. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, my poor plant. <laughs> well, thank you for holding down the fort. We have a packed show today. Rachel, what is going on? All right. This week in paid, we want to talk about something that we actually think a lot of other um, advertisers might be going through right now, is what happens when your client decides to pivot their business to now make masks. And what does that do for your um, for the, your ad buying experience? And what does that look like on Facebook's end with all of the data? Um, for this week in organic, it's not quite in organic, but it's a little bit organic. We're going to talk about community creation in the comments of ads and what that looks like and why it's different than just customer service. And then we have a BYOS, a bring your own segment that Alec is going to chat about. And then finally, the rant wheel makes an appearance. Excellent. So let's get it right into it before our free Zoom runs out. Okay, I'm bored in a house and I'm in a house board. Bored in a house and I'm in a house board. Bored in a house, bored in a house, bored. Bored in a house, bored in a house, bored. So for this week in paid, we do have a client and maybe you also have a client who has suddenly switched to making masks from whatever they were making previously. And... This is, I mean, every everyone, every client, every agency right now is is pivoting and working to make the best of this situation, um, trying to find the opportunities, trying to keep their their employees afloat. One of the ways that a lot of companies are doing that are making masks, particularly if you are in clothing or you have people that do sewing, that type of thing. You have the production capability to start making face masks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of clients are sort of just trying to fill a need right now or or help out the healthcare workers that are um, not getting the masks that they need and the PPE that they need. So this is this is sort of a great thing, but it, on our side, it's a little bit of a data nightmare. If you think about who the purchasers of your product used to be versus now who they are, that when now that we're selling masks, it's a completely different audience segment. And so what that looks like on Facebook's end when you're trying to build a lookalike audience based off of purchasers or a lookalike audience based off of even people who view your ad or see your ad, it's completely different. And so you can't really use the same audiences. You the creative is is sort of shifted. It's it's a completely different ballgame. Right. And even even if people are coming in, like we have ads out there that sell a particular product and the average order value for this client is over $400. So that's the type of product that people, that's in the ads that people come through. But as soon as they hit the landing page, they see that 
we now make masks. And they're like, oh my God, I came here for this one thing, but actually I need this other thing that's $20. So what we've seen is that the AOV come down from $400 to $20. And that's just a total different, it's just a whole different data ballgame. Mm-hmm. Right. So the AOV goes down and then our CPA has gone way down. It's like down from something like $100 to now I think we're at $8. Um So what that's doing is Facebook is now optimizing for what's actively happening. So we're also getting more purchases than usual. So we're getting out of the learning phase quicker. So usually it takes, you know, that seven days to get out of the learning phase Mm -hmm. because Facebook needs a minimum number of purchases a day. Right now, because we're accumulating so many purchases at such a fast rate, um, we're out of the learning phase and now we're in Facebook's sort of active phase, which means mm-hmm. that a CBO and the rest of the um, the rest of the buying has been stabilized. So basically Facebook has figured out who is the right audience it wants to target the ads to um, within the segment of our target. Michael, my, my question to you guys is though is do we run the risk because the people we don't know this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the people buying the masks, are a very different audience than the people, ideally, who would be our long-term customers. Are we potentially damaging the long-term sort of relationships? Or are we, we, is this just a a one and done, we have got no long-term value out of this campaign, or will there be something, some long-term value we can extract? Yeah, I think the audience is entirely, entirely different. And Mm -hmm. in the short term, we have Facebook optimizing for people who buy masks. It's, it's choosing the ads where people are buying the masks and it's building the lookalike off people who are buying the masks. But we're still serving them the creative of people that buy the original product. So th- there's that mismatch too. It's like Facebook's like, I found the people that buy masks. Now here's an ad that does not sell masks, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so- then on the opposite side – if Facebook's kind of looking for the people who want the original product and serving the ad to the people who want the original product, they go to the landing page and it's for masks. So either way, we're at a complete mismatch. And I think it is an issue, not just on Facebook's end trying to find customers, but you're completely right with a lifetime value problem. Mm-hmm. So we do have a we do have a few ways to not fix it, but mitigate it. So if you have a client that's doing this and you want to continue selling the original product, you need to isolate those people from the whole mass side of the business. It's almost like you need to treat them that as they are infected. So you need to go into the the purchase data. You need to download that from Shopify. You need to remove all of the mask people from that. So then you can then build lookalikes that are about the original product. And then the second part of that is you need to direct those people in the ads to something that doesn't mention mask at all because as soon as they see mask that's what they're there to buy so whether that's to like a specific product page or something like that that is one way to to kind of make it happen if you don't want to um, if you still want to continue selling you know the original product the way i see it is there's two options you can go down the route that jess just said which is we're going to still only sell the original product the mask business is kind of on the side just a temporary thing or you could go all in on masks. Not that you're pivoting your, your entire company, but right now this is a temporary thing. And maybe you're in a situation where you need the money in your pocket right now. A lot of businesses are going through a very hard time and having to cut spending and cut um, you know, employees. So maybe you really need the money from the masks. And so if you went that route, 
you have to change who your audiences are. So we recommend maybe using a shorter window for your lookalike audience. If you're if you're using a lookalike audience of purchasers from 180 days, that's not going to cut it. Those are the wrong people. So maybe base it off of a shorter window, you know, the past seven days, the past 14 days. So you need, you're really looking at the right people. You know, and you also want to change your creative up. The problem with this, now that we've talked all about, you know, selling masks on Facebook, is that technically... Facebook has put out um, a communication that says that selling medical masks through the just having an e-commerce listing or advertising is not allowed on Facebook's platform. What a medical mask is, we have no idea. Yeah. The um, Consumer Reports recently put out a, an article where they tested um, Facebook's um, review process related to the coronavirus, and they made all these fake ads that's like coronavirus is a hoax social distancing you don't need to do that that type of thing and all of those ads were approved the only one that wasn't approved was one that had a stock image of a mask mm. so so it depends every time i'm yeah. on facebook i look for mask ads um because i want to see what's getting through the barriers or not not because i want to like play the game but i want to understand what how facebook's flagging works because we deal with this with political ads all the time but basically what i'm seeing is that fashion masks like masks that have like patterns and don't look surgical those are almost always going to go through if they're like on a model that's that has a full body shot because I don't mm. think it can really tell it's a mask Facebook's AI. I'm also seeing images or like um like illustrations of masks go through. So it depends. I mean, but if you're going to if you're going to try to sell masks, you certainly can't make medical claims. These can only be sort of, you know, the the fabric ones. Um mm -hmm. And that's it. But in terms of what what's working for copy or creative, we don't know yet. Are we going to switch to like a to pure mask? To are we going to attempt mask advertising? Because we haven't done that so far. I don't. I don't think we need to because this client is getting more sales than, than they ever have before, and they have production issues before they have mm -hmm. demand issues. And that's probably happening to, to a lot. That's probably happening to a lot of other businesses that are experiencing this because it's a need right now. People cannot find masks. They certainly can't find masks that are shipping like the next day. I had to knit my own mask. Like obviously, it's a need that and I don't think mm -hmm. you you, know, don't think, you wanted to. Knit I your did, mask. but I didn't Come have on. a bandana or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and th there's lots of different ways that we've seen people message this, whether it's. Um, you know, to keep your employees employed and it's sort of altruistic in that sense. Uh, we, there's a, another brand that I saw, which is making masks and sending them directly to, um, healthcare providers where they're not selling them. So there, I mean, there's all sorts of ways that people are pivoting, whether they're selling them or not selling them, that type of thing. Um, it's very fascinating to see like a new industry sp spring up within like 72 hours. Okay. I'm bored in a house and I'm in a house board. Bored in a house and I'm in a house board. Bored in a house, bored in a house, bored. Bored in a house, bored in a house, bored. All right, this week in paid slash organic part two, community creation edition. <laughs> so right now we have a client that, B, we didn't realize this was going to happen, but the comments section has exploded. Absolutely. And so we are on the hook for community management for this client. Um, and we found that there really is a difference between the general community management and customer service and community creation in the comments. Yeah, we don't really like the term community management because, first of all, most brands don't even have a, a community 
worth managing. But in terms of the opportunity that we see for brands, what we love is taking their community or, or the lack thereof and like totally firing those people up and and making them like ecstatic and turning them in, into an evangelist. That's more than just management. And that's why we sort of call it community creation. So with this particular brand, they're a CPG brand. They're sold in grocery stores. Um, it's it's a it's a good product. People it, love it. It's pickles. Um, I won't name the brand, but they do sell pickles. And there's lots of different tactics. But one of the things that I've that I was surprised to see is how much work the brand has already done into establishing a community. Um, it didn't take a lot of work to particularly activate these people because they already are a sort of loved brand, but they didn't do social advertising previously. So when they started doing social ads, they're reaching their, their people that are already are familiar with them. And those people are getting into the comments and providing a lot of great um, value to, to other people that are seeing. Mm. On the back end of all of this, what, what the ads actually look like is we've got a funnel of um, a few things up at the top of the funnel that are little short animated videos. Then once a viewer sees a few seconds of that video, they're funneled down into a secondary um, animation. And then after they click, they're then funneled into a, a, th a third final animation that's a little bit more product uh, salesy driven. And so in that middle funnel, usually, you're, usually for audiences, you're using a three-second viewer or a 10-second view, and you're also using an audience of engagers, people who've engaged with the brand, either the Facebook page or the Instagram page in the past, you know, 180, 360, whatever time frame you want to use. So when I when I actually started um, targeting that audience of engagers, we immediately saw the comments explode because obviously this is the mm -hmm. fan base that we've tapped into and they hadn't seen advertising from this company before because they've only been doing organic work. So automatically we saw a huge volume of comments from that audience and we basically social proofed the, um, the ads and then we're able to put those in the top of the funnel as well to show the people who aren't familiar with the brand all of this evangelism in the comment section. Right. So I'll give you a few uh, examples of how community management is different than community creation. Um, a lot of times community management is you get so many comments that are like, hey, I love your pickles and community management is like, hey, thanks. I love it. That type of thing. But we we like to go a little bit deeper and these comments these these ads have thousands of comments so there's a lot of work there but what we like to do is sometimes i will respond with a paragraph long comment um, or something that you just do not expect from a brand that you don't expect from the customer service department from the brand and because it's unexpected people really like that and they respond well to that and they give it tons of emojis and they reply and the way that facebook is default, it's it's sorted by most relevant comment. So if it's the first time you're seeing an ad, you're going to see the comment that has the most responses to it. And even if the, the ad has thousands of comments, you're going to see the ones that are that I've put the most work into. And you're going to think, oh, my God, this brand is really is is doing well. They're they're responding. They're funny. They're hilarious. Um, every comment like I don't do I try not to do customer service as much as I can. I try to be funny or witty or, or get people responding because that is what collects emojis and that's what people see first. No person seeing these ads is going to read through the thousand, but they will read through the first five or ten or something and they'll get a sense of the brand from that. So if you can make those five or ten comments be excellent, um, 
that's ideal. And, and you need to make like 150 comments for those five or 10 to rise to the top. You can't just make five or 10 and then leave it at that. So it is a sort of an everyday thing. What this is to me is really like comments as content. It's not just that the comments are a throwaway area. Your comments are just another opportunity for you to get impressions and eyeballs on something and have fun with your brand. And what we're actually seeing with this particular client is that in in the comment threads where Jess will have that one that one comment that has like a bunch of emojis and a, a bunch of reactions, people are tagging their friends not to see the ad, but to see the comment. Yeah, and I think I think brands we've done yeah. this a couple times with clients and to me, this is like the secret sauce out there in the marketing world right now that brands, I think, are oblivious to, if, which is really stupid because mm. if you think about why do brands do advertising? Why do they do these soft and fuzzy or funny ads? They want you to feel a, a nice emotion about the brand. They want their brand to have a personality. That is literally what you get to do in these comment mm. sections, but it feels so much more authentic and so much less staged than an ad, it still is an ad, but it's, um, I really, I, I, I would love to be doing more of this with our clients because I think you, you get their attention with an ad, but you make them fall in love with what happens after that. And that's when you've got them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe, maybe they're used to their buying habits in terms of buying advertising. Most stuff doesn't have comment sections. That's true. Whatever, they're programmatic, they're billboards, they're TVs, that type of stuff. And also they don't have like the people that do their customer service aren't equipped to build the communities or they like you need to put like your best copywriter on these or or maybe they haven't been given the free reign it's possible that they've you know yeah. been sort of handcuffed to the general customer service 9 to 5 sort of commentary and that's it and that's it but i think the ideal way to do this and maybe we should start proposing this to future clients is we're going to take 50% of our budget is going to be make the ads and then 50% of the budget, the other 50% is going to be putting a team on responding and creating a universe of engagement with those. Like literally, because right now it's an afterthought and we don't invest accordingly yeah. and clients don't see the value of it. But I'm convinced like it's it may, a 50-50 split mm -hmm. would really makes sense. And I actually think it's not just something that is for, you know, retail or CPG brands. We're actually seeing this with a nonprofit sort of government client right now that has decided to put a significant portion of budget to this sort of digital, um, not just customer service, but community creation for a whole different effort. That's more of a political effort. But, um, we're seeing good results there too, where if you treat people like humans and you talk to them like humans and not like a customer service repre representative, you get a better response. And it's hard to quantify the ROI of this particular thing, um, but we've, d we've done this for another client and it was hugely successful. And it, if you're running ads and you don't have people in the comments who are like, hey, I loved your ad. I went out and bought the pickles. Here's a picture of me with the pickles that I just bought from your ad. Then you're not doing it right, you know, because that's totally possible. Right. You know? I think that's another really good, um, good example of how to how to get better or get better at this community creation is like the following up that you're doing. So a few additional tactics in regards to this community creation. A lot, you know, we tell people all the time, social proof is great for ads, but sometimes it can be hard to get naturally. Um, but one thing you can do is you can 
get in there and and solicit it from people. You don't have to just wait for maybe the previous customers. Hopefully they like it. You can get into these ads and start asking questions. One thing that I'll do is a lot of a lot of the comments are just tagging other people. Like they'll someone will just tag through other people, which I'm assuming it's like, hey, you should look at these pickles. I'll then get in there and I'll tag those same pickle same people and I'll be like, hey guys Same pickles. <laughs> oh. I have pickles on the brain. So I'll tag those same people and I'll be like, hey guys, are we doing this? And then they'll laugh and, they're, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to get these. And then I'll be like, all right, update me on the situation as it comes. And it, it creates these conversations and more conversations is more comments, which again is more helpful to the Facebook algorithm and, and should make it perform a lot better. A lot. Better. And, and the other thing you don't know about those, but I, I know it's true, is you, the, the number of people who saw that conversation. Mm -hmm. They didn't right, participate, right. they didn't click on anything, but they saw it and they said, that's funny, that's cool, and you made a good impression on them. Mm -hmm. One thing that I found incredibly frustrating and interesting is how many comments mention and use the same exact Pickle Rick line. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I swear, it's got to be at least 30%. It might even be 50%. There's a lot. Yeah, I think that's interesting. If your brand or if your product has like some tie to the cultural zeitgeist or if it's got like a joke or a lyric or something in it that people tie to it, maybe there's a fun way to to like to play with that or maybe not. Just right now is is definitely trying, but it's like how many of the same comments are you going to get? But it's it's so clear that everyone is having the same the same thought and thinking they're original thinking because they're if original. they were to, <laughs> if they were to read the comments and sort by new, they'd see that like every single person is using the same pickle Rick line. Um, hey, that's a good problem to have. It is. Okay. I'm bored in a house and I'm in a house board, bored in a house and I'm in a house board, bored in a house, bored in a house, bored, bored in a house, bored in a house, bored. Okay. So welcome to, uh, the final segment before the rant wheel. Bring your own segment. So in this in this age where like you know we've we've kind of struggled to come up with topics that are does it have to be coronavirus related or maybe it shouldn't be? Does everyone is everyone sick of that or maybe that's all they want to hear? We don't know. So we reached out to our people to see if they had anything that they wanted to talk about and and help us out here. And Alec has a lot of stuff on his mind. Stuff on his mind. <laughs> well, it's. Uh, this is, I mean, we've all talked about how the world is not going to be the same after this. This is, I think this is a, literally a once in a century thing. And for somebody, you know, our job is to sort of be in the moment of culture and to, to have, to tell stories that fit and that swim with the current of, of you know, you're talking pickle Rick jokes, like that's the tide right now. You don't swim against it. It may be annoying, but it's, Right now, there's just an enormous sea change that's going to happen, and we don't know exactly what it is, um, but it's really fascinating to try to figure that out and try to figure out how to advise our clients. And one of the things that, that you know, I'm seeing that is really fascinating is that we're all isolated in a weird, lonely way. Like, it's very strange, but we're also, like what we're doing right now on Zoom, um, we're connecting. And I'm seeing it with... Um, Friends and family are, are structuring time into their day to let's at five o'clock today. I've, I've got three or four of these already set up with like my leadership Rhode Island class and with my family and with my high school reunion class. 
where we all get on a call, a Zoom call, and we have a great time when we're talking. My, my wife's family meets every, every Sunday at 5 p.m., and one of them's in L.A., and one's in Boston, and one's in, they're all over the place, and we meet, and we have a great chat, and we talk for an hour. The only other time that happens in the analog world is like Thanksgiving. That's it. And so are we, are we more connected, or are we less connected? Um, well, it's interesting, Alec. I've heard and I've, I've read an article a few days ago that was like, even though you're talking on Zoom, apparently there's like some chemical in your brain that doesn't like the fact that you are not physically close to the person that you're talking to. Like that, it still doesn't, it doesn't achieve whatever. I'm feeling it right now. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It doesn't achieve whatever connection it's supposed to, or I guess it just, it doesn't do the same thing as you would be if you were in a room with somebody, if you could hug them, if you could really read body language, if your Wi-Fi didn't cut out every other minute, you know what I mean? So, so there so does is that a mean, difference. So does that mean when, when life gets back to normal, uh, my wife's family would be like, yeah, see you Thanksgiving. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ease of use too, I guess. I mean, I've, I've been hosting um, like uh, Zooms with my, my girlfriends from college. And then like, I actually am going on a Zoom double date on Friday. So it's like, it's still happening, but I don't think it would have happened if we weren't all stuck in our houses, I guess. And so you think that will just dissolve and go away? Like this will not be a regular thing that we collectively... Not a fortune teller, Alec. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> know. It's just I just find it very interesting because it's um there's a part of me that like I go to the I'm going to the office every day by myself. Mm-hmm. Um and it it does it gets to you. psychologically there's there's there is something about being in a room with other humans that I think you're right, mate. It's a probably a caveman, you know, primal thing that you're not even consciously aware of. But yeah, I, I think it's just a convenience factor because it's so much easier like my like my daughter whenever we do sleepovers um such a production to do it like a sleepover and it's like well my night is ruined because there's other girls here and whatever but what my daughter's been doing on the weekends is being on a google hangout with some of her other friends like watching shows and and playing games together and she does this like on both nights of the weekends, you know, staying up to like 3 a.m. to do it because it's so easy. So easy. Yeah. So it's just, I think yeah, it's a matter smart. of like ease is it's allowing people to do this. You know, Thanksgiving is a, is the, but I do feel, I, the, I still feel on some level it's unsatisfying. I think it's unsatisfying. I absolutely agree. Whenever, I know my, whenever... my son is playing Xbox with his, his buddies like deep into the night and they're laughing. They're having a good time. I can feel his melancholy the next day. Like something is not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was talking to Jeanette, who's on the account team. And I was like, you know, zoom is great, but what if we all had VR? What if we all had VR headsets? Is that, is that the next evolution? Is that one step closer to being um, where we're all essentially in the same room? And I was trying to get her to buy some for the whole team, but it didn't work out. <laughs> Good luck. luck. (laughs) But I mean, think about it. Like, is the same brain chemical going to be activated if we are in VR and we can walk around people? Or is it, does it, is it pheromones that's the actual thing and we need to smell them? Is that what the VR helmets are going to have to do? They have little pheromone injectors (laughs) that like squirt, squirt essence of Jess into your nose um, while you're speaking to them. (laughs) Oh my God. Startups, if you're listening, Get on it. 
Essence of essence of jazz. Trademark it. Okay, I'm bored in a house and I'm in a house board. Bored in a house and I'm in a house board. Bored in a house. Bored in a house. Bored. Bored in a house. Bored in a house. Bored. All right, let's roll in the rant wheel. It's coming on in. We have three options on the rant wheel today. First, any video conferencing platform that's not Zoom. Second, people not obeying quarantine. And then third, we have a BYO rant, which is mixed mask messages. Spin the wheel. We have landed on number three, BYO rant, mixed mask messages. Take it away, Alec. I don't All know what right. this means. Is that 3M? Is that, is that 3M? what they stand for? Three, the, mis- the mixed mask messages. I just wanted Rachel to see if she could say it. Um, no, this, this right from the beginning of the pandemic, when it first came out, um, there was the, the message from on high saying, don't buy masks. You don't need masks. They don't work. Um, but that's, that's obviously patently BS. If they didn't work, medical you know, people in the medical field wouldn't wear them. They wear them because they work. They both prevent the, their healthcare employee from getting the infection, and it prevents them from sharing the infection. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the dynamic. I understand they didn't want to rush on mass. They didn't want a shortage. Um, but it, they were straight up lying. They, the collective powers that be, uh, in the interest of protecting the healthcare stocks. But you can't help but think... The Asian countries, Taiwan and Singapore and South Korea and even China have done vastly better than this. There are mass cultures. Mm-hmm. There are people where mm-hmm. you ride the subway in Tokyo any day, 30% of the people are wearing masks. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's yeah. just sort of a, there's no stigma to it. Um, and they put masks on and they put them on <laughs> right away. Yep. And, yep. you know, South Korea has 165 deaths. I mean, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if they had said, yes, everybody should wear masks. Is there a giant rush? And now we're, doctors are dying. I don't know. But I think when we look back the history of this, um, they lied to us mm-hmm. and yeah. there, there were, there were consequences and epidemiologists may be able to track how many people died yeah. because yeah. we were told. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that there's, there's two types of masks. There's the mask that can prevent you from getting it, which are the N95 and N99 and those types of masks, which are, which healthcare workers absolutely need to have and they can't get. Um, I've even tried to, I tried to get a mask from a company called Vogue Mask, where it's like, they've been doing this for years. They're in like California and they're for like for forest fires, that type of thing. They make them out of Singapore and they're completely sold out. And I thought they were sold out because of demand, but they're sold out because the Singapore government seized their masks because they need them. So those masks are being seized. Anyone trying to get those, you just you simply can't get those. But the other type of mask are to prevent you from giving it or viral shedding or that type of thing. And the CDC now is like, uh, use a bandana with a coffee filter in it. And they could have said that from the very beginning. Um. And I, th- I think they didn't say that because I think the optics of it, I think they were afraid it was going to, it was going to look half-assed because um, I, I just, I sort of feel like we have a government that's quite obsessed with optics and how things look in the moment. Well, I mean, speaking of optics, like, or even just the sort of general feeling of it all, it 
feels apocalyptic when you have a bandana on your face. face. I know, but that sends a great message. Like that's an important message to send to if you are out in the supermarket and you're wearing a mask, you're sending a message to other people like this shit is serious. It's surprising how many people don't have masks on. I went to the grocery store yesterday and I was like, wow, no one cares. Guess no one cares. Okay, I'm bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. Bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. Bored in the house, bored in the house, bored. Bored in the house, bored in the house, bored. All right, and now time for my favorite segment, Plug Your Ears, where we plug all of our things. Are you going to get the email right this time? No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) It's a point now. Now it's a point of contention. Okay, so if you want to learn more about our services and all the things we provide from, you know, paid social management to strategy to organic management, or if you want to learn a little bit more about that community creation we were talking about, our website is nail.social. We are most prolific probably on Twitter where we're nailed social. We're also active on TikTok these days where we're also nailed social. Um, and if you want to email us, our email is coffee at nail.social. Wow. Wait, isn't it COVID at nail.social? <laughs> it should be. Yeah. So reach out to us if you have any questions about um, pivoting your your brand or anything like that. We are well versed in that now. It's like a absolute <laughs> yeah. skill set that we have developed. Is there any brand we haven't pivoted on at this point? <laughs> Um, so reach out to us and, um, no after show today because we have to get back to work and pivot more brands. So thanks for, thanks for tuning in and see you next week. 